Welcome to the Life as an Observer podcast. My name is Ryan Bean. I am your host in self-observation. This podcast is an exploration of physical and non-physical self through discussion around yoga, meditation, self-improvement, self-realization, and practices that elevate the mind-body-soul connection. Let's start observing. This episode of Life as an Observer is made possible by patron support. If you'd like to support this program, you can visit patron.podbean.com backslash life as an observer to learn more. Hi friends, welcome to Life as an Observer. Today I get the really amazing opportunity to talk to my friend Bart Stolitzton. Bart is uh, a former neuroscientist and uh, kind of had some of the, the same stories as us, you know, where we get burned out, but his story is so unique and kind of transformed his life from the, the life of academia. And, you know, after getting his PhD and working in, in that field to then really realizing that truth and healing and happiness was really found in their own or his own true nature through the nature that's all around us. Bart is a podcast host. He is a breath worker, a cold immersion facilitator, um, just a, a master trainer and communicator. And in this episode, uh, Bart and I really kind of dive really lightly. I like to say we like to dive deep, but I think our conversation could have been hours and hours and hours. I think we got to do another one, uh, maybe for the patrons. So if you're a patron, um, you might get a, a, an episode of that. If you're not, you can go check it out on the patron page. It's patron.podbean.com and life as an observer. And we will do some additional conversations over there. But really our talk, we started talking about just our trip to Poland together. Um, and then we discussed some, some things that are up and coming with our agendas and what we're doing next. Uh, the conversation evolved into uh, psychedelics and our true nature, some philosophy around, you know, how we worry and really what we worry about and just philosophy about some of the intricacies in just being human. We conclude our conversation um, discussing some opportunities for the near future and and maybe additional trips, retreats, and so forth. So I'm, I'm interested in you, you to hear what Bart has to say about what true happiness is, where we can make changes in our mind, thus influencing how we feel. Thanks for joining today to Life as an Observer with uh, my, my dear friend here, Bart Stolston. Well, hello, Bart. Good to see you. Good to hear from you on the other side of the world. I'm so happy you were able to join today. We've been talking about this since we were in Poland. So yeah. um, welcome to the podcast, Life as an Observer. Um, as uh, Bart Schultzen. And yeah. uh, I, I want you to kind of do the introduction yourself because you do a lot of things. And I, I don't think I would do your introduction very much justice. <laughs> I know the stuff that you're doing with with Back to Nature, and I'm very familiar yeah. with what we, what we do together and what you do on your own with uh, Wim Hof method and yeah. some, some of the things that we've explored, but, you know, as I read your bio on your, on your website and yeah. it, you know, we we have a lot of, uh, a lot of things in common from being an academic, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just from being in academics and and doing a, a lot with testing and science and med, you know, medicine, to realizing that that was just not the way to, you know, as you say, it really to get back to your own true nature. And yeah, exactly. Uh, so I'd like to. Can you kind of tell us to walk us down the introduction of what got you to where you and I are now sitting in a podcast talking about yeah. how to how to be happy? Can you tell us uh, that where that started about twenty years ago? Yeah. Yeah, something like that. And uh, well, first and foremost, thank you for the invitation to, to be a guest yeah. on your show. Uh, really, really honored. Um, so where it all started was me having a pro- yeah, well, um, an easy childhood, uh, so to say, with a photographic memory, easy learner. And uh, and then it was all the more obvious that I would go to college and study and, and become something, uh, <laughs> become something, um, which turned out to be a neuropsychologist and neuroscientist. Um, and, and I wasn't that system for a long time um, up until a point that my body decided uh, not to cooperate with me anymore uh, and, and pull the emergency brake on me so then I had to reinvent myself had to let go of a number of beliefs I had about what reality should be like in this academic scientific world and um, I started I started soul searching so I turned into a uh, soul scientist coming from uh, scientist scientist so to mm. say um, and a number of things really struck me that we overcomplicate things. Um, one, one of the big epiphanies in my life, like I, I used to make things so difficult in my mind. Um, and um, I, I sort of stopped that. I found ways along like, like the Wim Hof method to uncomplicate things, unfuck myself, unfuck my brain yeah. uh, and un- unlearn. Uh, and that's also when I uh, found a coach that helped me through my burnout period in which I was uh, in 2013, 2014. And well, my dog is going a little bit crazy here in the background, mm-hmm. but anyways, uh, just let nature do its thing. Yes. Um, and I, um, yeah, I, so my coach took me into nature. Uh, I was expecting uh, a coach that would, uh, you know, put me in a room and talk to me in a room uh, like I used to do as a psychologist with people. Um, but she said, no, we're going to go outside. And I was like, uh, but why? Uh, you, you'll know. Uh, and, and that's where I started reconnecting with my nature in essence um, uh, and, and started realigning and, and, and letting go of even more limiting beliefs and started feeling grounded and connected again. Um, and then from that point on, I thought, okay, but you are really helping people. I studied like more of half of my life to help people and you're just taking me out into nature. Can it be this simple? And I feel better. Um, and then I said to her, like, I want your job. Tell me, what do you, what, what do I need to do to, to have your job? And then she said, oh, maybe you should start your own company or whatever, or, uh, you know, uh, be, be a prof- um, uh, self-employed professional. And um, I was like, no, 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 but I'm a psychologist. I need to work for the university. And then I was still in my head and uh, still thinking about a lot of things that I thought I need to do. Uh, and she said, well, maybe you can use all the knowledge that you've gained up until, up until now in a more better, uh, like more adaptive, appropriate way instead of just being in that box you're not this kind of person that needs to be or wants to be in boxes you don't thrive there so you should be outside of boxes and then um yeah, and that's when i started my own company um which originally was called change and development because i don't have to have a flashy english title it has to have something to do with well helping people change and develop so easiest title would be change yeah. and development and then um and then after that, uh, I changed it into back to your nature coaching because in yeah. essence, that, that just covers the load way, way better. Um, so what I, what I do now is I take people into nature to let them reconnect with their own nature, which 
in the end is the same because this is nature just as much as nature outside is nature. Um, but that wasn't clear to me at the time and point that I was uh, traveling on that route yet. Um, yeah, that's sort of a long story short. The Wim Hof method is part of it. Um, breathwork, um, uh, grounding, barefooting, uh, forest bathing. So yeah, there is a lot I do, but in essence, there is only one thing I do. I help people be themselves. Yeah, yeah, which is, don't we spend so much time trying to to create who we think we are, right? We, yeah. we, we uh, just as humans, I don't mean you and I, just, just in general, like as humans, we spend a lot of time creating who we think we are or who others want us to be so they'll like us more, right? So we'll yeah. be likable, we'll be employable, we'll be um, a oh, good yeah. interrelationship. <laughs> and I think we talked about it before we came on about, you know, the, our beards and the how you groom that and how you groom your hair if you start. So those who don't know, both Bart and I have amazing hairstyles and <laughs> curly. <laughs> super curly. And, but we, I, I would say that most men who, who are uh, going through a, a pattern of baldness have a moment where they go, will I be loved? If I lose my hair, will I, will I be, you know, if you're not already in a relationship, will I be accepted? You know? And, yeah. and, and so we go through that, who am I over yeah. and over for different times? And we don't realize how that affects us. But for me, it affected me massively when I said, I'm going to go ahead and start shaving my head and growing my beard. What am I, what am I trying to prove? And so Going back to, you know, to nature, the way that yeah. nature intended it has so yeah. much less resistance, doesn't it? Like Yes, there is more flow. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so and, and yes, obviously there is resistance, but that, that's, that's the type of resistance which you can either choose or use to grow. Um, so the, without resistance, like there is this Dutch saying, I will translate it literally into English. It's like without resistance, there will be no shine. Um, so you have to rub something a bit to make it shine. There has to be oh, some resistance to grow. Um, yeah, so so we need a bit of resistance. We need a bit of stress, and and um, but but we have a choice, and we create so much stress in our lives by wanting to um, find external gratification for all, for all the reasons you were just naming and more. And we're not aware of it that if you start stripping those off and start connecting to what is and what you truly are, then it is it is lighter. It becomes lighter. Maybe not easier all the time, but lighter. Yeah, I. I, I was out in a, a place this weekend. Um, I was out in a, a, an area which used to be silver mines. Um, it's an area called Silver Reef and they have, a, it's just really beautiful. You can see all the different greens and blues from the minerals being on the rocks out there. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, there's people camping and doing different things. And I see so many people preparing to go into nature, meaning like they have their big rigs, they have, you know, they, they pack things away they plan these trips and they spend a lot of time preparing to get mm -hmm. into nature when, mm -hmm. but I don't think that we really need to prepare. Do we, I think that we can, that there are other alternatives that say I can prepare minimally and get into nature on a very simple way. So I, I kind of, if you were to coach me in, the, in this way to saying, you know, I'm someone who's like an overthinker. Uh, so I'm packing, yeah. I have my big rig, yeah. I'm trying to figure out where I'm going to camp, I'm putting my agenda together, because I want to yeah. get relaxed, damn it, I want to get relaxed and get into nature, <laughs> right? Yeah, I, I would probably just ask you to take your shoes off, for instance, okay. because part of this preparation is that I see um, 
I was like a, a short anecdote. I was uh, in the in the Swiss Alps a couple of months ago, and um, and I was hiking there. But I had uh, barefoot sandals on, and everybody I met had heavy mountaineering boots on, hmm. and they uh, to me they weren't necessary at the altitude that we were still at. So maybe if you're summiting somewhere, then maybe you need those uh, heavy altitude uh, uh, mountaineering boots. But at that phase where I was, two and a half, three thousand meters up. It wasn't necessary. Everybody was looking at me like, you are crazy. And I just thought, I'm traveling light. I'm way faster out of the situation if I need to be because I have these light, lightweight shoes on. Um, so what I often do with clients, if, if they are so much in their head, like, yeah, but I have to do this and I have to be calm outside in nature. I have to be present or whatever. They're in their head. They're just overthinking. So then then usually, um, and I did it today with two clients too, so I asked them to take the shoes off. And they're like, but why? Like, well, you trust me, you trust yourself, just do it. And the furthest away from your mind and your body that I can get you is your feet. So, and then all of a sudden, these people are without shoes and sort of a bit embarrassed that they're taking the shoes off and about the, the, the stigma or the dogma that might be on there. Um, but then they notice what it does to them. It reconnects them with nature. They get the installation layer off between them, the soles of your shoes, and then they become calm really quickly. And it might hurt, and they say, okay, so if it hurts, you're feeling something. And then they're in their feeling, in their bodies again, instead of in their mind. So that's one of the easiest ways I sort of get these uh, over um, analytic, over analytical people uh, out of their heads. Um, and it works every time. It's, yeah. it's simple, but profound. Just taking your shoes off. I mean, we, we did an exercise like that when I was in Poland with you, and we just sat into the river. Um, it's one of my favorite moments that I, that I, and actually you captured a really great picture of me doing that. Cause it luckily it, I took a shot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was one of the, my favorite moments because it, it felt very easy, even though the water yeah. was freezing cold. And even mm-hmm. though, you know, the, the air temperature was very cold and there was an expectation, I think from many of us that we were going to get into the water and so yeah. we had, we had this anxiety level, maybe that was on a subconscious level. We're going to go do this. And it, it changed on us to say, all we're going to do is sit here, put your feet in the freezing water and just be, and yeah. Yeah. And just be not without expectation, not be here and meditate, not be here and breathe, not be here and do something. And just judge. No, just yeah. be, yeah. just be, you know, there's a place in uh, Southern Utah, really close to where I live. And it's uh, it's on native American land and it's a mm-hmm. slot Canyon. And when you, you go to the, the reservation, you check in, they take you on a tour through this slot mm-hmm. canyon. It was carved out by the Colorado River, and it's now part of Lake Powell. And anyway, it's, it's an mm-hmm. amazing mm-hmm. slot canyon. And it's one of the largest in the world. It's just an amazing little spot. But everyone that goes there, they have to hike in. So they have their boots on, they have their packs on, their gear. And I remember being there one time. And it was maybe a hundred and something degrees outside. You know, I don't know what that is in, in Celsius, hot. but in fair, very hot, <laughs> over yeah. over boiling. And um, we even we start to descend down into the the slot canyon. And I remember that the bottom was sand. It was red uh-huh. sand, red sand. Uh-huh. And something just within me said, "Take off your shoes." Yeah, take off your shoes. So I took off my shoes, not in an effort to say I need to ground, not in an effort to say I need to do something. I just was really curious about what it would feel like when I took my shoes off. I found that that temperature of the sand was cool to the touch. Hmm. And the guy that took us in there, he was playing a flute, you know, he's playing a wood flute, a Native American flute. And 
that scenario was very similar to when we sat in the river there in Poland, yeah. where it was just, just be, just walk and be no expectation, just listen and feel. And those are moments that I've captured like snapshot in my mind of times when oh, I beautiful. felt fully connected to nature, yeah. um, but fully connected to myself too, you know, and, that, and those are thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We, our own <laughs> nature. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of a lot of amazing places in this world that I think that they're in our backyard, aren't they? Sometimes yeah. it's just hiding in plain sight. We we always feel that we should travel to like the other side of the planet. And yes, obviously there will be beautiful places there too. But if we start by observing what is here, uh, right in our backyard uh, or your backyard. Um, yeah. There is so much there. And that's also something that Wim also um, uh, uh, sort of got me reconnected to because he was, uh, I think he was here at my place two years ago and we went for a walk around back and a walk that I do on a daily basis with my dog. And he just was mesmerized by tiny little details that were there that I also didn't see anymore. And then I thought, mm. ah, wait, but it's here. It's, I should just you know, lower my pace ground be become more uh, connected to that nature that is here and then i will see so um yeah it's it's right here and then obviously that's right here on any spot of the planet you will be on if you choose to see it yeah so you you brought up wim who you know an amazing teacher yeah. to, to both of us and i guess we can talk about that a little bit so uh bart sure. is a is a an academy instructor for for the wim hof method um taught yeah. me and and <laughs> Yeah, you know, <laughs> no, you did great. You did great. And, and, and something that we talk about within the method is, is when we get into the cold, people will say, well, why do you do that? And of course we can talk about the health benefits, which I will tell you mm -hmm. uh, something that happened to me coming back from Poland that you may be really cool. interested yeah. in. But really for me, that is when I feel most present and grounded mm. is when, because there's something that happens within our mind. And I don't know, maybe, you know, as a neuroscientist, you can say, but something shuts off that says, yeah. I don't care about the anxiety of the future. You know, mm -hmm. I'm not, not, and I'm not stressed about what happened in the past at all. All I'm yeah. in is survival mode at this moment. I'm in the fight or flight response, yeah. and then I'm calming it down actively or passively, yeah. depending on how you look at it. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, but, but, but for me, I think actively, I'm like, okay, I'm going to get into my breath. I'm going to yeah. settle in and I move into that space where I feel most and in yogi terms, we use that term all the time, grounded. What does grounded really mean? What does grounded really mean? So when we get in, so maybe I'll ask you that question. When we get into the cold and we get grounded, what does that mean to be grounded? Connected to yourself and everything surrounding you in, in, to me, in, in one space. Um, we sort of, I think... I feel and think what we did as humans, as homo sapiens, we disconnected ourselves from everything else in nature. So we made ourselves uh, some kind of special thing mm -hmm. outside of nature. Um, and, and we are not. We are in, in, intrinsically related to everything on this planet. Um, and if we strip all of those barriers down again uh, and, and going into a cold, uh, cold water or cold environment is a real nice way to do that, then you can only, um, you, you cannot not feel that connection. You can think your way out of it and then you will get very cold. Um, you can run your way out of it and then you will not have a learning experience. So the only thing you can do is if you are choosing to go into that situation, embrace it, be it. 
um, and then you are connected, uh, like and so grounded in, in the most yeah maybe profound way imaginable. Um, and then there is no yesterday or tomorrow; it's just now. So you're fully in the present moment, and then your body can do what it's supposed to do: create extra heat because you're in a cold environment, mm-hmm. and you're a mammal, and you want to stay warm on the inside, at least in your core. Um, and you just switch off all of the other mumbo jumbo in your head, all of the thinking, uh, like the monkey brain just silences. And all of that because you go into cold water, just simply and profound. Yeah, I was. Uh, I took a. I took a. Uh, an ice bath last night with some friends and mm-hmm. you know in the winter time when you don't uh heat your pool it's quite wonderful mm-hmm. you you have a beautiful ice bath ready for you at any time you know yeah. here in southern utah we uh, it warms up in the summer so we don't have natural bodies of water we can get into we have to yeah. create the ice baths but in the winter time no problem we can get into any swimming pool that's not heated we can get into the river and mm-hmm. i watched that happen i watched one friend who has always had a, a reason to not get in. You know, it's always been like, well, that it's, it hurts too much. Uh, that's not for me. Um, I don't, I, you know, maybe one day. And then, then I watched another friend who said, I can do that. And then he was the first one to say, I can't do this and got out very, very quickly. Right. So it's, so it's yeah. very amazing the way that our mind um, yeah. over time does mold and say, ah, this is back to who I used to who I used to be almost de-evolution, right? Almost like we have evolved to this place of comfort and now we're de-evolving back to our maybe a homo erectus or even, yeah, but you know. You can ask yourself the question whether it is this place of comfort, actually. I think it's the place of artificial discomfort that we call comfort. Yes. Yes. Because the natural comfort is that we are able to be what we are, who we are in, in the present in the presence of mind, in the presence of now, in the state of now, um, and we just have, uh, like, yeah, we have evolved. If you want, if you want to use that, and we have evolved ourselves out of that. We have created this um, non-natural situation. So by going into cold, we get back to what we really are: nature, energy, and motion, yeah. present, connected. Yeah, I, I, I find it through that practice, and I also find it through you know, meditation and through the use of psychedelics that I, that I, that I realized that I'm so much more than who I think I am. And oh, yeah. yeah, I had a, a guru in India and he had told me that yoga is the sledgehammer to knocking down the walls of who I think I am, who I've built my entire life. I have yoga is that sledgehammer to, to just saying, take the wall down. Let's open this space up and oh, create and create this little space for us. And, and, Part of that I learned through really just deep, you know, movement and breath and, and, and being connected in a yogic way. Uh, the mm. major part of it I learned through getting into the cold. And then mm. the way that I kind of keep, I mean, obviously there's a practice that happens daily. Uh, otherwise, we mm-hmm. just go back into our old patterns and build the wall up again. But through mm-hmm. the use of altered states, um, mm-hmm. I realize how my thoughts affect my physical being and my physical being affects my thoughts. It's like this, mm. it's, it's this top down regulation, bottom up regulation. And we're yeah. constantly at, I wouldn't want to call it a battle, but we're at this weaving point where I decide yeah. what is true nature and what mm. is perspective, right? Mm-hmm. Because of many mm-hmm. times perspective, we believe it to be truth. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> While it's just a perspective. Yeah, we're <laughs> like a view on a potential truth or non-truth. Because some would say getting into the cold is painful. And I would say that's a, yeah. a pers- that's perspective. Yeah. I, I wouldn't call it painful. I would call it very wonderful. I'd call it comfort. It may be uncomfortable the first breath, but some would say maybe that is second two. <laughs> maybe maybe two or three breaths, but yeah. but we but we but we sort of change that. And I and I and I think that as we go deeper into the mind work, we go deeper into the neuroscience, we go deeper into like the way that our thoughts have built walls up around us. We have to yeah. learn d- different techniques to deconstruct those walls yeah. so yeah. that we can go back to nature. Cause yeah, putting your feet into the cold is great, but that's, I don't think that's, I don't think that's all the work. There has to be much more than that. Um, that because um. that might be enough for some people, but those who have really endured heavy traumas, those who have experienced um, generational trauma mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and that's woven into their DNA. It's, it's just, mm-hmm. it's, it's woven into their DNA and even, woven into our diets. If you really think about it, the way, I mean, I think sometimes even the water we drink is, is, is traumatic. You know, I think sometimes the food that we eat is genetic, you know, GMO and and it's been, and it's traumatic. So, you know, back in, um, it was in 1940 when Albert Hoffman decided he was going to, you know, uh, started when he was working there in the, the, the chemical lab and he created LSD 25, you know, he created that, mm-hmm. that, that component. And I, I'm not sure exactly how he got it into his body. And maybe it was on his finger or maybe he like stuck it in his mouth or who knows how he got it in the first time. I, yeah. I don't know if that's really been documented, but I think it was 1943 or some, sometime around there where he made this. And I think it was made for women's menstrual cycles or something is what they, what he was making it for. I don't really remember what the reason was, but he found that he was in an altered state of consciousness. He said, yeah. you know, something was different. He went home. And then a couple of days later, he said, ah, I'm going to do that again. Cause it felt good. It felt um, mm. as though he was, and I think he took a lot, which took him into a very deep place. Cause of course it was just experimentation, you know, it was experimentation yeah. to where it was going. And he learned a lot about himself in that state of the yeah. altered state. And of course yeah. we fast forward to, um, was in 1962 when the Good Friday experiments happened with um, Timothy Leary and, and um, mm-hmm. you know, Ram Dass. And, and they, they did, uh, for the audience, I'll kind of fill them in if you're familiar. But basically, I think they took nine theologian students and they, uh, they gave them synthesized psilocybin. And yeah. they um, had them w- listen to the, 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 the sermon you know, whatever that mm-hmm. sermon was while mm-hmm. some of them were a control group, which I think they gave them some sort of niacin or something. I don't know what they gave them, but they gave them something that gave them like fuzzy feelings. And then they had the, the, yeah. the non-control group and the control group. And then they took out all, after they wrote their feedback, they took out all mentions of it being a chemical or given something out of that. And then they gave it to other people, uh, other theologians to, with a criteria, I think it was uh, 10 or so criteria of what a mystical, biblical, mystical experience would be. And, yeah. I, and I believe it was, you know, 80% of them it was a lot of them all about yeah. one, I believe had the, uh, what was called a mystical experience according yeah. to what would be biblical. Right. Yeah. And we, we read about all these biblical experiences. I mean, obviously in the Bible, but other texts, the Vedas, the Upanishads, even, you know, in all kinds of religions and, and further thus it, telling us that something has happened with our de-evolution where we've mm-hmm. lost touch from this experience of connecting to nature through mm. its fruits its fruits yeah uh we'll call you yeah. know it could, it could be a mushroom experience it could be you know a cactus it could be 
all kinds of different different yeah, ways. Depending on the location on Earth you are, there are different plant medicines or plants yeah. uh, that that will provide you with an altered state of mind, an altered state yes. of consciousness. Yeah. But with our breath, we can also experience that altered yeah. state of mind. And yeah. I want I want to well, ask you a little bit about that about altered mm-hmm. states and our connectedness to who we truly are. Because yeah. I think I think, and I'll, I'll word it a little bit better for the question here, but we we have built this personality who we think we are yeah. and we put on the clothes we groom our beard the way we think we are we live in the house and we do all these things but when we go into an altered state whether that be through chemical i mean it's all chemical whether it be breath it's an endogenous yeah. chemical or it's yeah. ingested chemical yeah we're in an altered state of consciousness which then opens up the realm of us being the, the yogis call these the five sheaths, right? They say, okay, we, we, we have our physical body, our mental body, our vital body, our higher state of thinking body. And then we have our bliss body. Okay. So we have these five okay. bliss, these yeah. bodies. Yeah. Tell me about our, our nature's way or back to our nature's way. What, what is our, our plane of consciousness where we can connect to our true self which one of those is it very good question but maybe so we're talking we're talking about altered states of consciousness but maybe it's original state of consciousness instead of altered and we have altered into something that we now think is the truth or uh but but might be just um, a viewpoint on truth and um and we have built this ego construct around um around well whatever um apparently we need apparently need that uh, yeah. to a certain extent in this 3d body meat suit that we are in um and then when you when you either do breath work or something else to to detach from that ego that that's what happens i think that you you let go of that ego part and then you're present again and then you can just observe things probably um but i don't know whether there's any hard science on that yet you can observe mm-hmm. things as they are so you can sort of glitch out of the out of your matrix and be um and i don't exactly know what's happening in in, in your brain at that time and point but i do know that it feels like home mm. yeah to me the experiences i had in that and so the experiences uh, I, I started out with breathwork because when i was still uh, still in, in science and, and in, in neuropsychopharmacology, I thought I will never do quote unquote drugs yeah. because I will have to let go of control. But that control is my ego wanting to control things. So then by starting doing breath work, I all of a sudden notice I'm still in control, in control because I am doing the breath work, but it gets me into these states that I have never experienced. At least I couldn't remember that I have ever experienced them, but they feel good and they feel okay safe no judgment open and after that i started experimenting um i'm I'm not a big experimenter but i started experimenting with plant medicine and and that gave me similar experiences maybe longer maybe deeper but but similar hyper connectedness to everything Mm. uh, without the judgment that our egos might put on it like this is not okay or it should be like this or that so to me, I, it feels I yeah I always learn um, about sort of true nature. They're like without the oh, I have to 
trim my beard like this, I have to wear these clothes because otherwise somebody will think that I'm a nutcake or whatever. No, I can mm. just be. And that's also what I observed when we are, for instance, with this, with groups of, of uh, Wim Hof Method students that um, the mindset there is like, you're okay just the way you are, even without the breath work. We don't need the breath work to do that. And um, But what you see in a week is that the more you do breath work, the more you do nature exposure, the more open people will be. Yeah, I, th- I, think, I think I think I think you hit on it that the ego might be that wall that I just talked about. The ego is mm-hmm. the wall that that the, the yoga works through. And you know, when I say yoga, I just really mean the union of the body, mind, the soul. I don't necessarily mean asana, you know, warrior too. I yeah. mean, yeah. you know, that that wall is maybe created by the ego, saying this is where I feel safe. Right? And, you know, the, the, the um, you're familiar with uh, Plato and his, you know, the 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 cave. Uh, the cave shadow puppets, right? So the the, yeah. the story of the, the, these prisoners who were in the cave and they had these shadow puppets on the wall, and that's where they and they lived their whole lives there, watching these shadows on the wall create mm-hmm. stories of life and everything around them. And when they were given the invitation to leave, they were resistant because they didn't feel safe. They were safe. they were they, they, yeah. They, yeah. And so maybe our ego has created a place where we think we're safe. But really, there's so much more beyond that. Yes, uh, that safety yes. net. And, uh, yeah, um, and 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 one um, for in, in whatever which way, when we learn to go beyond that um, sort of virtual safety net, which is maybe has been put there for the right intentions, but you're not growing anymore. Maybe it was put there for the right intention of safety and keeping you safe and limited, not not straying away from. This, this narrow path of okayness, so to say. But then when you go there, it's like, oh, this is possible too. And I'm still alive. Oh, and then this is possible too. And you start growing and learning and turning into, um, um, into yourself actually more. And that's when doors open that might be hiding in plain sight, have been hiding in plain sight for a long time that all of a sudden you now see and are able to, to pass through um, into multiple altered states of consciousness into multiple realities that that we might be living in at this present time and point mm-hmm. without the ego judgment that there is only this one reality uh, you make a really great point there about there being multiple points of reality because you know we, we talked about the bliss bodies i just had said that yeah. but i noticed that with specifically different chemicals that obviously they, they do give a different effect and affect me differently. So, you know, we're, we're doing research through with psilocybin or doing research through mm-hmm. ketamine, totally different experiences. They're not, they're not the same. They're, they're completely different. And we learn a little bit more about the construct of our mind is what I think I'm exploring, but in all honesty, there are, t- I mean, there's, there's healing that happens and things that's that we, we use in the yoga world a lot, the word manifesting, but I, I find myself a lot manifesting things in altered states mm-hmm. more. Uh, it's more readily available than if I just think really hard about it. And I think that's the problem maybe with like, even like Freudian therapy and some other, you know, is like, we think really hard about it. We sit and we think and we think and we think, and yet we create a, a, a cycle that is a circle of nothingness. And it's just, and and I think maybe that, was, that is a problem. Maybe we think too hard. Well, I think Maybe that we, we should th- stop thinking. Well, it keeps therapists employed, doesn't it? If 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 if, if you never get healed, <laughs> <laughs> if, if you never really get healed and you you don't feel free, then you continue to go back to your therapist and you say, okay, yeah, yeah, probably, I, I, I'm yeah. not free anymore. So, really, 
all of this leads up to to one thing, at least in my mind. And I think that I'm I'm, I'm putting words here, but it's to be happy, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's it's to be happy. I think a choice. And and yeah, you know, and and but happiness cannot exist in this 3D world without no. So light cannot exist without darkness here. And yeah. um, and once you can become grateful for the darkness, um, which is inside of every cell of us, um, then you can experience happiness in a more profound way. And in the end, we are all very able to live, like Wim says, happy, healthy, and strong lives. But if you just focus on healthy, um, we are able to do that. But we have to go beyond our limiting beliefs that we are not that we are not good enough to live healthy lives, to live happy lives. So if if you find whatever which way to do that, then you open that floodgate. <laughs> you, yeah. you don't want to go back anymore. Uh, no matter how hard it might be to stay in that in that motion of. Yeah, but this is actually it's okay you know uh, my life is fucked up but i'm okay <laughs> uh, so that blissful state of being um and i see a lot of people uh, like that that um i think westerners would describe as enlightened like Dalai lama or or uh, i can never pronounce his name um uh, yeah. the, the right way um like they were always they, they always have this sort of mysterious smile they are yeah. happy with whatever it is yeah and if you become more detached from physical stuff whereas it's beautiful that we have physical stuff like we can talk to each other now because we have technology um, um we could probably also talk to each other without the technology but that's a whole other story maybe um but mm -hmm. so we can use this technology at this time and point to to communicate and record this podcast and that's beautiful but we we don't actually need it for our being and survival and um and so when you become more detached from all that clutter or the monkey brain clutter but also stuff you live lighter and there is all of a sudden room to be happy more and to connect in a more happy and open way without the judgment uh, without the attachment that's just whoa this is what is beautiful thank you and you mm. move on to another experience again yeah, do you, um, Patanjali in, in the Yoga Sutras, he says that um, there's a, one of the, the eight limbs of yoga. One of them is called Santosha. And Santosha okay. means contentment. And I think that's really, for, for in that way, what happiness really is, right? It's not about saying, I'm happy when I'm at the top of the hill. I'm not happy when I'm at the bottom of the hill. I am okay with no matter where it is. Because, yeah. you know, we hear it maybe as even as a cliche, but it's not about where we're going. It's about where we it's are right now. Um, yeah. yeah. Let's be on the journey and like, let's enjoy this journey. And what I, what I wanted to ask you about with this was um, those who are where we were, we can, we have lots of advice, but where were you? Maybe I have a job. I have a kid. I have to make the money. I have to do this thing. I ha and I don't have time for all of this woo Ryan and Bart. I can't just pick up and start to put my feet in the snow. I have a job that I have to go to in the morning. I have um, to feed kids at night. So breath work at nighttime is not going to happen. That's Where a lot of you have tos. Yeah. That's what, it, yeah. that's what it seems like. It seems like a lot of have tos. Give, give the listeners like baby steps. How can they find this contentment roller coaster mm -hmm. with where they are now? Because a lot of times we, we, they get these self-help plans and they, you know, they feel very overwhelmed. And mm -hmm. I know we started at the very beginning, just put your feet in the, and take mm -hmm. your shoes off. But mm -hmm. after the shoes come off, where, what's next? 
<laughs> depends on what you need. Maybe there is something before you take the shoes off. Maybe you, um, the, all the have-tos you were talking about will uh, distract you from being present, to my opinion. They will either put you in, uh, in a potentially future um, anxiety, anxious situation or a regretful past situation. So that's those two things that are non-existent at this time and point. And, um, and that's also what I had. I was, I was a master in being non-present and, and being either paying attention, a lot of attention based on shit out of the past to future situations and keeping myself out of potentially beautiful situations because I was never present. And the more present I can be in this moment, in the now, um, the lighter things get. Like 99 out of 100 times, there's really nothing much to matter in the present moment. <laughs> so <laughs> It's yeah. true. You know, what Winston Churchill's his quote where he said he was talking to a man who was on his deathbed and um, the man said that he, his final words were, um, I had a lot of trouble in my life. Yeah. None of most of which never came true. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we fuck up so much by spending so much time and energy on past and future. Let's be grateful for the past and be grateful for the future that might appear yeah. by being present. So before taking your shoes off, um, and, and that's the cool thing about breathing because it can only happen in the now. It doesn't happen a few seconds ago. It doesn't happen in the future. So breathing to me is, the, is, is one of the most profound ways of connecting you with the present moment. So if you can inhale and shortly hold and then exhale and shortly hold, so one round of breathing without getting distracted or by past or future, you're fully, fully blessed in the moment. And yeah. the more you pay attention to that, and that's the feedback loops your brain provides. It's like the more things you pay attention to, those will grow. So the more you pay attention to the blissful state of being in the present moment, the more that will be reinforced in your brain. So whenever you get distracted for some reason, mind chatter or external chatter, you can, oh, wait, I've got a choice. I can inhale, be present, and be the eye in the storm again. And you can be happy. You are happy there. That, that's maybe your natural state. Aware of all the peaks and the lows, they're, they're existing, yeah. But if you're present, it doesn't matter. You're on a journey. And it's always present spot. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's it. You couldn't have said it any better. Thank you. I mean, that's exactly <laughs> it. But, you know, but, but though, for some, those are just words. You know, present yeah. moment, what does that really mean? And you mentioned it earlier. I wrote it down because I, 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 I think this is a really important part that you started talking about is that you started your journey with a coach that, mm -hmm. that, it, that it was really yeah. like, I, I could do this on my own. Yes. But you're but not I, alone. You're not alone. Like, let's do this with a coach. Let's do this together. Yeah. And, and I think that um, I kind of like we to talk about that a little bit, maybe where they could find you too, but also the importance of a coach in helping you uh you know accountability and all that kind of yes. stuff yeah well we we are a connected species yeah we need to make our own choices like i need to choose to be here or be somewhere else but you're not alone so mm -hmm. and i the well what, so one thing the academy the academy learned and teach me taught me is that I should always have the answer right away now and it should come out of my mind. And now I'm happy to say, I don't know. Yeah. So 
And then I'll ask somebody, hey, could you help me? What's your idea? What's your viewpoint on this? But we are, we, we don't, we are not trained in asking for help and asking for connection. Because if I ask you for help, I connect with you. And then I still have to make my own choices. But I get inspired. I can, I can draw seeds and I still have to water them into a tree myself. But I get seeds of inspiration from different places and, and people that I can use to choose, okay, this is, this is the path I want to travel on. Yeah. And we are so used to living somebody else's life instead of living our own life that we have to unlearn that and let go of all that bullshit to be present again and start creating our lives here now. It's, and you cannot see the path ahead of you because that's somebody else's path. You're walking your path right now. You're creating mm -hmm. your path at this very point. So that's why a coach, I think, or somebody guiding you or helping you through this process is an external observer. You, you, your podcast is, it does have a nice name. So you have this observer that can look at your process without judgment, but just observation and ask questions and give you, provide you with seeds and insights and viewpoints that you should incorporate into yourself, into your life, because it's your life. And then you start moving in a better way. In, in a more um, uh, owned way, in your way, not in somebody else's way. I lived somebody else's life for a long time. I lived a life of, of expectancy of my professors that I was working for. I lived the life of my ex-wife that I was living for and uh, my kids. And now I do my best to live my own life as much as possible, which might sound selfish to a number of people, but actually really isn't. And if we all do that without the judgment and attachment, then we have this super diverse community again, really quickly, that works together, that is connected, and still with single cells, with single individuals that choose to do their own thing, connected. I think we've been in tribes for forever since, right? So, yeah. and, and, and whether it be through, you know, um, ceremony, we've had someone leading us. Um, whether it be to, to passing on uh, ancient ritual, someone has taught yeah. it. And, yeah. and I think we've come into this place where we think I can do this on my own. I can listen to a podcast and read a book and I can do it. But having that accountability is, is key because, I mean, I had to do the same thing too. I think uh, uh, you, you nailed it perfectly. It. Yeah, we're still doing it. Yeah, yeah, we <laughs> have to. We have to. So, I, I mean, I have coaches all, that I still pay for and that I, but I think that the universe hears us when we do things that are um, beyond our comfort zone and harder too. So for instance, you know, when I hear a lot of people say, well, I would go to a retreat, mm -hmm. but I don't really have the money or mm -hmm. um, I would um, invest in a meditation course, but it's, uh, you know, it's, so we always have these reasons, right? But when you go into that, we kind of circling back to discomfort where it's just a little bit uncomfortable yeah. That's where true transformation begins. Yeah. It doesn't happen when you're com comfy, cozy, and oh. things are wonderful. You're not going to like recreate yourself when you're like, I love my job. I love my life. I love everything about me. And I'm perfectly happy right here. You're not going to change to something else. You have to go. You hear all these stories, right? Where people were like down on their luck, where they were so unhappy. And that's where they said, I'm gone. And that was me moving to India. That was you leaving your job. Yeah. So for those who are, um, saying, yeah, I, I get it. I need a coach. Yeah. Um, yeah, I get it. I need to start doing some new techniques. 
Um, um, see if you can kind of step on, on, on the, the stool here with me. Yeah. That they need to move into something, doing something difficult is going to create that transformation, right? Yes. So saying, without that friction, nothing's going to happen. Um, or nothing profound is going to happen. So you need, uh, you need that. Um, you will uh, most likely you will not move into that situation out of yourself exactly due to the reasons you just explained. Like, oh man, if you're in your warm and fluffy comfort zone, why the fuck would you get out of there? Because it's so nice and warm and fluffy. Yeah. So, but some, so sometimes you, you, you hit rock bottom uh, like I did, for instance, and then I had to do something else that I had no other options left. But I think you don't necessarily need to get to that point of hitting rock bottom as long as you become more aware and aware at a certain sooner point so that you can have a choice to, okay, ask for help um, and, and search for guidance and um, be inspired by somebody else. But find somebody that's outside of your comfort zone, like find somebody that you don't know, find somebody that, that produces an itch or something or, or like this strange feeling and listen to that sit with it so sit with your demons like why why would i go to x person and not to y person and then see what the difference is feel what the difference is yeah. and you can probably learn more from the one that's um that's irritating you more oh i'm not here to be like <laughs> as a coach for instance i love it when people like me i'm very grateful then but um, like two weeks ago, I was walking a mountain in Poland with a group of people. I was closing the line on the backside and there were two people who had a hard time walking up that mountain. Um, and then at a certain point, I'm asking like, what does your backpack weigh? Because otherwise I'll carry it for you because you want to walk up that mountain. And they were like a bit proud and like, no, no, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. And then at a, like after I asked him twice and three times, it's like, Next time, I'm not going to be nice anymore. You will hand me your backpack because I am here to help you uh, to, uh, like, like reach your goal, which in this case was climbing that mountain. Um, and I'm not here to be liked. I'm here for your safety. And that's what my coach also did with me when I was in my, my burnout. And she said, like, I'm going to do things with you that you might not like or might not believe, but it'll be in your best interest. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Some, and that's where friction happens and that's where super growth happens. And that's why I also like to walk outside with people and not coach them in an office because outside it might rain and that might produce friction or the sun might mm. be burning on your, on your head and that might produce something. But that's where transformation happens. Yeah, whether that friction is the cold or the heat or it's the pocketbook. Either way, it's, 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 it's friction somewhere. Yeah. That is going to help transform them to yeah. being healthy, yeah. happy, strong, right? So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, the, you need the friction. You need that friction. So, whether you're 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 experimenting with a coach, or you're trying new things uh, with meditation, or you're creating new routines, or you're going to retreats, um, that's I, I just did a podcast about how we we can try all these things. And we can do them for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and months and months and months. Or we can just immerse ourselves. You know, yeah. we can immerse ourselves in a retreat for a weekend and get more value and we create change quickly. So um, yeah. I know you host a few, I mean, you host retreats often. You, you can imagine yeah. those weekends are powerful for a reason, right? Yeah. We, they, they're transformational. They, people learn about themselves. There's emotions, which is, you know, energy in motion, right? Yeah. Emotions yeah. that happen because it's almost like we're shaking the tree loose so that the fruit yeah. can fall. You know, it's like that. This we have built this puzzle, 
of yeah. ourselves without being aware of it. And then we forget that it's a puzzle, that, there, yeah. that there's loose pieces. And then like at days or weeks or weekends or whatever kind of situation, we shake up the tree, we stir the puzzle up, and then people see, ah, oh, man, there are all kinds of different parts of this puzzle. And then you can choose again, okay, yeah. these are the ones, I, these are my core puzzle pieces. I want to keep those. But this and this and this, it can go. And I've, I'll find new pieces of the puzzle. I can attach to my puzzle. I can build this new story about who I am. So I can, and, and that works best by finding comfort in the uncomfortable. Yeah. So that's yeah. why I, I would advise people to search for discomfort every day. That's what I do. I actively cross borders, uh, do, um, um, do crazy stuff to learn every day and if i keep doing that i keep learning and then i can pass that on to my clients or people that are interested yeah most of your um i mean most of your clients are, are in the netherlands or you, you do a lot of stuff all over europe yeah um, i i do i've got clients in the states too and uh, yeah. but ideally i want to take them outside yeah. and next so next to each other but sometimes that's just not happening um and, and then we'll work we'll work online I'll ask them to go outside and I go outside, for instance, if that's possible. Um, yeah, ideally, I would like face-to-face -face contact live that we can see, yeah. smell, and touch each other. But that's not always possible. And then we go for second best. Well, a lot of the audience for Life as an Observer is, is North America and in Europe. Yeah. And so and so if, if um, I guess I, uh, as we kind of conclude here, I want people to know how to get a hold of you. I want them to be able to say, I really resonated with what Bart said. How yeah. do I, how do I get into coaching? Because I think that was a lot of our emphasis was let's move into, you know, this contentment roller coaster. Let's mm -hmm. go back to nature. Let's mm -hmm. find, get that back to our true nature through disc, maybe a little bit of discomfort mm -hmm. and reinventing ourselves is sometimes th the home base is just yeah. saying, this is where I feel happy. So I want them to be able to find you. So, um, can you tell the audience just a little bit where, how they can get a hold of you is the best way. Is it through your website or is it? Yeah, it's, it's really easy. If you go to my website, which is my first and last name, so www.bartscholterson.nl because I'm in the Netherlands. Yeah. And my phone number is there. My mail number is there. My yeah. Instagram handle is there. It's really easy. Just go to my website. Yeah, I'll put a I'll put a link in the in the notes um, so they know how to get a hold of you. Um, yeah. And I and and. If they want to see your mug, they can go to your Instagram page. Of it. <laughs> <laughs> my face is not on there too much because nature is on there. Well, there's a few. Well, yeah, I think I, I mean, I follow your stories just mostly because of um, a lot of nature, a lot of nature yeah. pictures, a lot. I mean, a lot of sunrises, sunsets, um, and of course, a lot of um, hiking in the mountains and getting yeah. into the cold, which is a lot like mine, too. Uh, you know, my, my, <laughs> my, my, I, I think that as we've... Um, as we spend more time in nature, we, I think we, we tend to enjoy it more. I remember I grew up here in, in Southern and in, into Utah and yeah. I wanted to leave as quickly as possible because I felt like I was contained in this Valley of these mountains, you know, yeah. and I was like, I just felt like I couldn't stretch out. And now that I'm back, I'm like, yeah. why did I ever leave? Like, this is the <laughs> most beautiful place ever. I love it here. So, so if those want to get a hold of you, they want to get into nature, they go to your website, which I'll yeah. leave it in the show notes. Cool. And, and if they wanted to, um, just follow you. I'll put the Instagram there so they can kind of see what you're getting into. Um, I know you host pretty much monthly or even, even more than that. Um, um, Wim Hof method fundamentals yeah. advanced and, yeah. and other courses, yeah. uh, winter excursions, winter yeah. excursions, summer excursions. Yeah. Um, I definitely need to come back for, um, uh, 
either one of those. I'm not sure which one that I'm going to, that I'm going to do, but um, right now we're working on um, just kind of getting established uh, here in Utah, getting a yeah. few people getting back to nature. And then yeah, hopefully cool. I can bring a whole and, crowd of I'll, people. I'll get to Utah and we'll create something cool. That's what I was saying. We have a really, really nice spot in the mountains that I think that you would really enjoy. Um, that um, it, man, there, there's some really, really neat spots here that allow us to um, to just feel that um, with the animals and with yeah. the the elements. Sometimes the elements are what make it so cool. You know, uh, the the wind blowing and the snow coming down, and where it makes it just a little bit more difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I look forward to and having you here. It doesn't need to be complicated. No. It's, it's, nature is really easy and straightforward. So the more we are in nature and connect with our own nature, the e- sort of not simple, but the easier it becomes to be in this present moment. Bit yeah. of snow, bit of wind, bit of rain, bit of sunshine. All good. Yeah. I, um, I heat my van with um, a small little fireplace, you know, so yeah. I can sleep at night rather than having all the conveniences and stuff. I have to feed wood into it and, and it, 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 it's a conscious process. Yeah, It's a conscious process. And I really like that rather than flipping a switch. It really feels good to me to do that. Um, and, and I, I, um, I'm trying to find other processes where I can have more conscious. So the air conditioning, I haven't quite figured out, <laughs> you know, it, for me, it's okay. But when you have your, you know, you have your dog in a, in a metal box, you need to figure a few things out. So um, that's my next uh, get back to nature. Uh, I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to do that. But Bart, thanks for spending an hour with me and chatting. I'm going to definitely, we're going to chat a little much. bit offline. And um, I actually have something for you that's coming in the mail very, very soon. Oh, cool. uh, a little piece of Utah um, that, um, that I'll send to you. So you can look forward to seeing that. I appreciate your time immensely my friend thank you very much for having me thank you